0: Announcement to make to you, to the people of America.
1: The mothership has landed. It's the classic guitar rock podcast. Gentlemen, if you'll examine your charts, please. Let me show you a clip from my latest film where my faulty depth perception kept me from yelling cut at the proper time. When dealing with powerful criminal elements, one can never be too well prepared. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberry. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley.
0: first thing you do is to get the psychological edge on your adversary by showing supreme confidence.
1: Oh, oh, oh Joe Foley told me he read at the National inquiry the only paper you read the truth oh, nowadays. I told oh. you I am in command here, and I will give
0: the orders, Captain.
1: All music is important. It's the universal language. One of our best hopes for the eventual realization of the Brotherhood of Man. You get all these crazy people that come and these this, this junk on stage, you know. I thought it was one of these rubber bats. I will picture it, it was a real bat. Was it alive? Well, it worked a bit the head of it, you know. The taste of bats is very salty. Now go away or I shall taunt you a second time. make batteries to power. Before we start, I'd like to say something. There's no reason why you shouldn't have complete confidence in your chances to come out of this thing alive in one piece. From coast to coast, from border to border, from one end to the other, and all points in between, the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast is on.
0: Yes! That's awesome!
1: We crank up and break down the great guitar-driven rock of the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And you are invited to come along. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And now, your host, Jeremy Lennon. Yeah, we don't know anything about that fellow there.
0: Now, who is he? Where's he coming from?
1: It's time for the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.
0: Welcome, welcome. Come on in. It's the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Jeremy And I so much look forward to getting together with you all. I I wanted to get together today, talk about a few things. There's some news items that I think are important for us to cover. And uh, also, I want to talk about Ozzy's guitar players. Uh, And let me just give a little backstory, what precipitated this. I had the opportunity to see Zach Wild with uh, Black Label Society earlier this week, and it just got me thinking about Ozzy's guitar players. All, all the things you can say about Ozzy and Sharon, whatever you, you can say this. Ozzy has had a knack for having some of the best guitar players in the business in his band. So I thought it would be fun to just talk about Ozzy's guitar players today. A few announcements first. I mentioned this on the last episode, the launch of the classic guitar rock website it is up it is available for human consumption and it's a great website classic obviously you can hear all the episodes of the podcast there but it also gives you links to the youtube videos it gives you all kinds of of additional information that's not available right here on the podcast it's it's a great website i mentioned that uh, our webmaster john will also be joining us on the podcast here in the next few weeks. But do yourself a favor. Go out and check out the Classic Guitar Rock website. Again, that's ClassicGuitarRock.com. Sign up for the newsletter. And also, I'm super excited to say hello to our first patron on Patreon, David Lee Smith, who came on board as our first patron. He joined at the producer level which is $12 a month. There's a $12 a month level. There's a $6 a month level and a $3 a month level on Patreon. Now guys, here's the thing about Patreon. There are expenses you incur doing a podcast and Patreon allows us to defray some of the costs. And, and obviously we're not making money on this podcast yet. At some point, if we could make money, you know, in excess of what we're spending, that would be great. We're not there yet, but it's support from people like David that allow us to continue to do this, to upgrade equipment or to buy music that we need to review or whatever it is. It's very helpful. So if you enjoy the podcast and if you can afford three bucks or six bucks or 12 bucks a month, we would be honored to have your support as a patron on Patreon. And that entitles you to some exclusive things as well that just a regular listener uh, wouldn't be able to, to take advantage of, but you can be a supporter on Patreon and we appreciate that so much. Thank you so much uh, to David and we're sending him out a little special gift package for being our first supporter on patreon so if that's something you'd like to do just go to patreon.com and you'll find classic guitar there's a link in the description of this podcast also you can just click that link if that's something you're interested in okay a few news items big news last week was this news that david lee roth announced he's retiring he's done no more uh and then that was followed up by Just yesterday, another announcement that Alex Van Halen will actually be joining David Lee Roth for his final few performances. So, is it sad that he's retired? It's always kind of sad when a a classic rock icon isn't performing anymore. But, you know, my personal thought is, you know, he had a good run. And sometimes it's kind of sad when you see those guys that don't retire when they probably should have. (laughs) So david's probably making the right choice he is retiring now before he gets to that point to where people are shaking their head thinking why is this guy singing david lee roth of course one of the great front men i had the opportunity to see van halen live with both dave i saw dave on the diver down tour and i've seen sammy twice with van halen and it's really an apples and oranges comparison right and you get in the Sammy versus Dave argument, and again, I've said this before. I treat them as two different bands, two different phenomenal bands, and I love them both. And Sammy and Dave, both excellent frontmen for different reasons. But man, in the early '80s, there was no one as cool as David Lee Roth in terms of rock and roll frontmen, and so he he left an indelible mark on the classic rock landscape, and, and there were none like him. So kind of sad to see him hanging up the furry chaps, <laughs> but well-deserved, a well-deserved retirement. You know, he's he's had a good run, and it'll be exciting for him to have Alex join him for the last few shows. You know what? It would be cool if Mikey could join him too. I don't know. Haven't heard anything about that, but that's one piece of news. Another piece of news that could have been very bad but looks like it's turning out better and that is news about Richie Faulkner in Judas Priest so on the 27th of September Richie Faulkner had a very scary medical incident he had to undergo emergency major heart surgery and the band announced that that they were having to postpone their, their tour. This is their big 50 year anniversary tour, big deal. But on stage, Richie was playing and and basically had a, an aortic aneurysm as he's playing. And he put out a press release a couple days ago where, where he's talking about that. And, and he talks about watching video from that performance. And he can tell the time, the exact time when it happened, you know, from looking at the, the pain on his face and all of this, but just a scary thing. Uh, fortunately, an excellent hospital, excellent facilities within like four miles of where they were playing. They rushed him in. He had a 16 hour surgery to repair this. He's only like 41 years old. He's in his early forties. So a young guy, no history of, of heart problems, no high cholesterol. He looks like he's in good shape. So this really just kind of came out of the blue. And for a lot of folks in this type of situation, they die. They don't make it. And so there were a number of things in his favor. The fact that they were so close to the hospital that they got him there so quickly. He made an interesting point in his statement. He said, you know, we were playing a short set. They were playing before Metallica. So they were part of a a bigger bill. So they only played like a 60-minute set. And he says, Man, I wonder what would have happened had I tried to power through it and played a full, you know, 90 minute or two hour set. This the song he was playing was Painkiller during the song Painkiller, ironically enough, which was at the very end of the set. But as soon as that was over, he finished. He finished the set, and then they rushed him to the hospital and he had to undergo emergency surgery right then. So scary situation for Richie. We wish him a speedy recovery and hopefully the priest can get back on the road here soon also related to judas priest also related to judas priest the kk's priest album has been released in its entirety give it a spin check it out i'm not going to do a full review but just a, a few a few things on it it's it's a fun album it is i enjoyed listening to it it almost seems like a and maybe this was intentional it almost seems like a self-parody. I mean, I, I, I hate to sound dismissive. I enjoyed the album, don't get me wrong. But it seems like if you got a bunch of screenwriters together to make a generic heavy metal band for a movie or a after-school TV special, it would sound like this album. I mean, it's just, it's very cliche. There's nothing really original on it. Having said that, i it's fun. It's a fun album. So check that one out. Okay, when we come back, I want to spend some time talking about Ozzy Osbourne's guitarists. He has had some of the best in the business and all of them brought their own unique thing to the table. Obviously, we're familiar with Randy. We won't spend a whole lot of time talking about Randy just because that is something that has been discussed so much in the past. I really want to focus on the guitar players after Randy. Randy. And we'll do that when we come back right here on the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Attention, if you live in Spokane, Washington, and have teeth, this message is for you. Ron and Jarvis Family Dentistry knows teeth incisors, bicuspids, canines, molars. No tooth is too big or too small.
1: I was delighted and impressed. So impressed, I bought the company. With Braun and
0: Jarvis, you'll have the sweetest grill in the inland northwest. And let's be honest, nobody wants a funky grill. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry. 509-464-2391. That's 509-464-2391. Braun and Jarvis Family Dentistry. Quality dentistry that doesn't suck. want to know the secret to a happy life love peace and taco grease welcome to the classic guitar rock podcast welcome back to the classic guitar rock podcast I'm Jeremy we are talking about Ozzy's guitar players before we get to that one programming note I want to invite you to check out our sister podcast, which is the Classic Guitar Rock Countdown. That is available exclusively on Spotify Premium. So if you are a Spotify Premium user, then check it out. It's a lot of fun. It's a countdown show. I've always wanted to be Casey Kasem. (laughs) And so this is my opportunity, and it's been a lot of fun. We've got three episodes so far, another one coming up. But check it out. It's the Classic Guitar Rock Countdown on spotify premium okay let's talk about aussie's guitar players briefly we're all aware of randy rhodes we're all aware of the impact that he had not only on aussie but on the music scene in general he was a phenomenal player very talented very charismatic his style influenced so many guitar players, and he was just the perfect mix of the flash of someone like an Eddie Van Halen, but he had the the technique, the theory, the technicality to really move guitar playing into a, a new direction. Truly a tragedy that we lost him at such a young age of 25. It would have been awesome to see what would have happened had he not left us so soon one of my favorite guitar players of all time at some point we'll do a full in-depth study of of randy rhodes but what i really wanted to do today is talk about the guitarists that that don't normally get the same recognition that randy got but ozzy had several phenomenal guitar players that came in after randy so let's talk about some of these guys The very first time I saw Ozzy Osbourne was the Diary of a Madman tour. It was in early June of 1982. I saw them in the Spokane Coliseum, and Brad Gillis was the guitarist at that time. Remember, Randy died in March of 82, and so this was just a few months later. You know, before I get to Brad, let me just throw in an interesting thing. Immediately after his death, I mean, I think the band... I'm not positive they missed any dates. I think they might have just, if if they missed a date, it couldn't have been more than a couple because they were right back at it and they brought in Bernie Torme. Bernie Torme had been playing with Ian Gillen and Bernie Torme is a great guitar player. He just passed away a few years ago, but he's a great blues-based guitar player. And and I don't know what went into him being the first guy they brought in, but he was thrown to the lions, man, thrown right in. And he has even said that he wasn't really the right guy for that gig. And, and there have been some negative things written about him and the performances he played. But guys, he was thrown right into this. Very little time to prepare. He was more of a blues-style guitar player. And he, he went from playing, you know, smaller clubs in the UK to now he's playing in Madison Square Garden. So I can only imagine what that would have been like. Well, they've got Bernie Torme in there. And while Bernie's playing, they also get this guy, Brad Gillis in and Brad spent the first few nights kind of just following around knowing that here in the next few days, I'm going to be stepping in and taking over for Bernie Torme. And Bernie, I think, knew his was a very temporary fill-in. I don't think the plan was ever for him to be the permanent replacement. But what he did do is he allowed them the opportunity to buy a little time till they found a more permanent replacement. And that came in the person of Brad Gillis. And there are several interviews on YouTube from Brad where he talks about it in more detail. But it basically goes something like this. He was playing in a band called Rubicon in the San Francisco Bay Area. And they were a cover band, right? But but they were an upscale cover band. They were a very successful band in the area. They played rock. They played R&B. They played all kinds of stuff. But interestingly, Brad was a huge Sabbath fan, really liked Sabbath. And in fact, someone got Brad's name to the Aussie camp. And one night he gets a phone call. I think he said it's like a Sunday night. He gets a call from uh, a lady with a British accent named Sharon Arden, who says, hey, I I work with Aussie Osborne and we've gotten your name. We'd like you to audition for the band. And... This is always the case, right? He thought it was friends joking him. He thought, no, this can't be true. and But sure enough, it was. In fact, she wound up putting Ozzy on the phone, and he talked to Brad for a while, and he said, hey, I want you to learn these songs, and we're going to fly you out, and we're going to have you audition. And so Brad was a Black Sabbath fan. In fact, what got him noticed was they were covering Flying High again in Rubicon and someone had heard this forwarded the name to Sharon and they said, you got it. You got to check this guy out. He's really good. So that's what precipitated that. So now Brad has to learn all the other songs he had learned flying high again, but he didn't own any of the records. And so he borrowed some records from friends of his and starts cramming to learn, you know, all of these songs and eventually flies out. To meet Ozzy and I think it was in New York and he arrives there I think spent his own money to buy the ticket so gets there and literally has no money when he gets there you know he talks to the tour manager who says yeah I got here I don't have any money for the hotel or anything and they they paid covered his room gave him some money you know so he could at least have a place to stay but anyways uh he meets Ozzy and it's kind of a weird audition he says that he goes into a hotel room with Ozzy, just him and Ozzy, no amp. He's got his guitar just, uh, and he, and he starts playing for Ozzy and Ozzy was like, yes, yes. And right away, Ozzy takes him out and takes him down into another room where there's a party going on or something says, this is our new guitar player, Bradley Gillis, you know, and everyone's, ah, and that was it. He was in the band. And, in a matter of you know days he he followed he joined the tour for a a, i think he said like a week so he saw bernie play the the shows for a week and then it was his turn and he was in there and he says the very first gig they were playing revelation mother earth and that part where it kicks in towards the end and it and it goes from the kind of slow to the up tempo well he he kicked into that part of verse early (laughs) And he said, everyone's looking at him like, what the heck are you doing? And so he tried to kind of as smoothly as he could back into the slower part he's supposed to be playing. And he said, other than that, you know, it it went pretty good from the beginning. And he has fond memories of playing with Rudy and Tommy and Don Airy and, and that whole situation. And you'll recall it's Brad who's playing on the Speak of the Devil album. Now, speak of the devil is interesting because that was only made to fulfill a contractual obligation. Part of the contract uh, that Ozzy had with the record company was they were going to do a live album. And, you know, Randy died. They still had this contractual obligation. And so they said, we're going to do this live album of Sabbath tunes. And oh, by the way, they were going to release it around the same time that Black Sabbath, (laughs) the new version of Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio was about to release Live Evil. So that was just another way that they could, you know, stick the knife in Sabbath a little bit. But anyways, they record this album over two nights at the Ritz Theater in New York. And this is one of my favorite Aussie albums. And in fact, if I'm going to listen to Live Sabbath, this is the album I go to. Because I love this one, and I might get in trouble when I say this. I would much rather hear Brad Gillis play Sabbath stuff than Randy Rhodes play Sabbath stuff. And here's why Randy Rhodes was never a Sabbath fan and never liked playing the Sabbath songs. And I think you kind of hear that. You know, Brad was a Sabbath fan and was passionate about Black Sabbath, and you can tell it as he plays it. He knows the stuff. He puts his own little whammy bar spin on things, but it sounds really good and it shows. Uh, speak of the devil came out. It was very successful. And I think Ozzy and Sharon and the whole camp would have been happy to just have Brad stay in the band. You know, the chemistry was good, but he at the same time had this other band he was working with called Night Ranger. And he he basically made the decision to leave Ozzy's band and focus on Night Ranger. And so at that point, Ozzy needed another guitar player. And there were a few people in the offing. Uh, In fact, George Lynch at one time was, uh, I think, in the band. I mean, there are stories of him practicing, rehearsing, all kinds of things with the band. And in fact, Jakey Lee talks about being there when Ozzy fired George Lynch. So that would have had to have been a very awkward situation. So Jake's there to go and audition. George is there and is the guy playing with them for the time. And Ozzy basically fires George right in front of Jake. And, you know, I don't know all the, the, the details around. I think George might have been a potential even before Randy. So George had a relationship with the Aussie camp, but for whatever reason, and I love George Lynch, you know, that to me is fascinating that, and I love Jakey e. Lee. And to me, their playing styles are kind of similar, but I, I don't know the entire backstory, but some people say that, that maybe, you know, George had short hair at the time. I don't know if he was dyed blonde on top like it was in the early days of Doc and maybe that was the problem. I heard that Sharon didn't like the guitars he used, the look of them. Sharon is kind of a control freak. It sounds like, but for whatever reason, George was not going to be the person and Jakey e. Lee was. So they bring Jakey e. Lee and Jakey e. Lee, of course, had played in an earlier version of Rat and had played around San Diego and played around Los Angeles. So now he's, he's the new guy. And I can remember MTV pumping up the world premiere video of the Aussie's brand new single Bark at the Moon. And I remember seeing the first video and just being blown away thinking, wow, that was wild. You know, it's when Aussie's dressed like a werewolf and all this crazy stuff. But Jake's style was very different than Randy's. I mean, obviously for the live stuff, he's playing a lot of Randy stuff and he could play that good you know a little different right it's not note for note and he played it a little different than brad gillis played it he put his own spin on it but he could do justice to the randy stuff but he brought his own unique style kind of a i don't know if funky is the style not funky but more of a bluesy style than randy or brad brought but still the real cool shreddy stuff and so He, he fit right in. I thought he was great. I saw the Bark at the Moon tour with Jake and it was great. And it was, it was awesome. And Jake was there for the two albums, Bark at the Moon and then Ultimate Sin, uh, before he left. And there's a common thread with Jake and with other guitar players and, and Bob Daisley, you know, there, there, there was often some conflict between you know whether it's Jake or Bob Daisley with the Osbornes right and it usually came down to money it came down to them not getting credit for the songwriting and and things like that in fact you know Jake even says it was his own mistake right he was new he was excited you know he just was super excited to be on on an album and for the first album He basically just signed everything away. Jake didn't get any credit for the songwriting. Uh, He was just a member of the band. But it was really Bob Daisley and Jakey Lee that wrote most of the music. They came up with most of the ideas, and yet Jake doesn't get credit for that. And that's typical of how Sharon and Ozzy would operate. So on the second album, Ultimate Sin, he was much smarter this time and was... Looking out for number one. And that did not sit well with the camp. And you notice he's gone right after that. I don't know all the details of him leaving. I'm sure they would have much rather had hungry young musicians that didn't ask too many questions about, you know, songwriting credit and all of that. Well, he was a little more educated by the second album he'd done with them. And so he, he looked out for number one a little better, but that was the last album. And then he moves on. He moved on and did Badlands. Guys, two excellent Badlands albums that you should check out if you get a chance to do that. But Jake is a great guitar player. I was super excited here about five or six years ago when he kind of reappeared with the Red Dragon cartel and was doing stuff with them. And a lot of that stuff is pretty good. Uh, I've seen some interviews with Jake recently, and he seems like a very down-to-earth guy. I think hit some bumps in the road, but it seems to be on top of things now. And I think very, very realistic about the business side of things. Still a great player, man. Still great to hear him play. And, you know, when you get him away from the neoclassical stuff, which he could play very, very well which obviously he had to play a lot of that randy stuff but he's very much a a more bluesy guy and does a lot of, of bluesy stuff that's really cool but the jake stuff is is really awesome so now jake leaves and then ozzy again needs another guitar player now i mentioned at the top of the show that i had a chance just a few nights ago two nights ago to see zach wild with black label society here in spokane and it was a great show I I kind of feel an affinity to Zach because he and I are about the same age. We were both born in the same year, both graduated from high school in 1985. So the same age, you know, kind of relate to him (laughs) in that respect. But he was working at a music store in New Jersey when he auditioned for Ozzy and, and, He'll talk about in, in interviews how he would play guitar, you know, like 12 hours a day. You know, he'd go to school and the rest of the time he was playing guitar. And it's funny to look at the physical transformation of Zach Wild from that first album he appears on with Ozzy to what he looks like now. Because now he literally, he probably weighs twice as much as he did. And it, and it's muscle, right? I mean, he looks like uh, an NFL player, just a big guy. Uh, but very funny. I love his interviews. He's just very down to earth, very funny. He has uh, recently, over the last few years, had to really kind of clean up in terms of alcohol and everything, and so now he's completely sober. And you know, and it shows. I don't care what any musician says; they play better when they're sober. I mean, that's just a fact. The musicianship is better. They're more focused, clear-eyed. It's just, it's just better doing it sober. And and Zach. Uh, does it that way and he's really good and i just want to say that this show that i went to I, i didn't know what to expect to be honest because to be honest black label society the stuff that i've heard is is heavier than the stuff i usually listen to one of the things that has bothered me about the more modern rock is man there's no harmony anymore right and very little melody it's so much of it is just heavy chugga 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 And so I was thinking, man, a lot of that, a lot of that is going to be like this. I mean, I, I've, I love Zach's playing. He's a phenomenal player and I think he's awesome, but I thought that this is going to be a little heavier and darker than, than what I'm usually into. So I go to this show and there's actually two opening bands, Prong, who I'd heard of and Obituary, which I think I'd heard of too. Never couldn't tell you any of their songs. And these guys have been around. So Prong has been around since the early nineties and Obituary has been around since 1984. So these guys have been around. And and I do have to tell you one funny thing that is emblematic of <laughs> heavy metal these days, right? So Prong came on first. They played. To be honest, I wasn't really into their music that much. I mean, I liked the energy. I liked watching the people in the mosh pit right next to me. Uh, but I wasn't really so much into their music. Obituary They're, they're doing the changeover, right? Between prong and obituary and they're setting up obituary stuff. And there's, you know, all these guys setting things up, all the roadies. And I'm there with my buddy. And the reason I'm there, by the way, is my buddy just bought tickets, said, Hey, you want to go see? No one wants to go see him with me. I said, I'll go, you know, so my buddy Craig bought tickets. We go and, and in between the acts there, we're talking about it. And I was just kind of half joking. When I said, yeah, see all these guys setting setting up the stuff? They're all older than me, you know, because they were all, I mean, they look like they were 60 years old. All these guys with gray hair and long beards, and they're setting things up. And I'm like, yeah, it's interesting that these roadies, they're getting old, right? They've probably done this for years and years. And then I said, watch, I bet they go backstage, they take their hats off, and that's the band. And we both just laughed. Those aren't roadies, that's the actual band. Well, guess what? That's exactly what happened. So the band comes out and starts. Sure enough, it's the same group of 60 year old guys we saw setting up, but this is the band. (laughs) They had taken their hats off, but they, you know, they rocked. They were a death metal band from the early days, you know, old school. And again, that wasn't necessarily my cup of tea, but I did enjoy their set. I did enjoy their set. It was cool. And then Zach comes out. It was really good. It was a really good show. I was very impressed. Zach's a very talented musician. Writes great songs. Plays the piano. So in a few songs, he was playing piano. And his band is great. And what I really liked about Black Label Society is they've got the hard, heavy stuff. But then they've got some kind of almost Southern rock sounding stuff. And then they've got mellower stuff. But his band is awesome. They actually sing harmonies which is something i really like i love harmonies with my crunchy guitars they sing harmonies and it it was brutal in a good way right zach is a very powerful muscular guitar player you know we know his his pinch harmonics he's kind of famous for that he's got plenty of that going on but it was just a good show and i was pleasantly surprised and in fact, it's made me go back just since then and, and listen to his earlier stuff with Ozzy. Because to be honest, I had heard the hits with Zach, you know, Mama, I'm Coming Home and No More Tears. I was familiar with that, but I never went back and listened to the albums that that Zach did with Ozzy. So I've been doing that over the last few days. and And he's an impressive guitar player and very much inspired by a lot of Southern rock stuff which I appreciate, you know, the whole chicken picking thing that, that he does sounds really cool. So Zach has a very unique voice different than a a Jake or a George Lynch, for instance. And I love those guys too, but it's just a different style and approach that Zach has, which is, which is really cool. And so I'm a, I'm a fan now. I'm a fan of black label society. And, and before I was aware of them, and guys, they've been around for like over twenty years, so they've got a backlog of stuff that I'm going to be digging back into and listening. But uh, Zach was a consummate showman. It was it was just a fun show. It was a fun show, and I'm glad I went. And I will be doing more homework on on Zach Wild in the future. Now, there's some other guitarists that I just got to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about. The last guitarist was Gus G who's a younger guy, he's he's Greek, great player. You know, every player he gets is great. Before, Gus G was a guy named Joe Holmes, which again, I don't know a whole lot about. I've seen some live footage of both of them. They're both competent, they're both great players. You know any player Ozzy has is going to be a competent guitar player. You can always trust Ozzy for having good guitar players. Uh, but I'm just not as versed with Gus G And Joe Holmes. So that's my own homework assignment to check that out. But I at least wanted to talk about Brad and Jake and Zach, three phenomenal guitar players with three unique voices that have made a a major contribution. I would love to hear your thoughts on these guys or anything else. You can email me at classicguitarrock at mail.com. And please check out our website, classicguitarrock.com. And please also follow the podcast if you like it, share it with your friends, and we will see you on the next episode of the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Classic Guitar Rock Podcast.
0: Oh, sweet name.
1: Please like, subscribe, and share. You can email us at ClassicGuitarRock at Mail.com. We're not ordinary people. <laughs> we'll see you for the next episode of the classic guitar rock podcast someone has been in my room and taken my beers away from my room i don't
0: think so darling who could possibly do that who's the beer thief you you're the beer thief